to the Pumps and Systems Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Champlin, Managing Editor of Pumps and Systems Magazine. You can visit us on the web at pumpsandsystems.com. On today's episode, we will have a chat with Tim Albers of Needec Motor Corporation about his time in the pump and motor industry. Tim is a veteran of Needec of more than 25 years, and he's been on several committees. You'll see him at several trade shows. He's given several presentations. He brings a wealth of knowledge. So, this is just about his path in the industry and some of the lessons he's learned and some of the knowledge he wishes to pass on to younger members of the pump and motor industry. Tim is being featured in our July issue, which will focus on some pump industry veterans. And so portions of this chat will be featured in the July print edition and online. So take a listen to this chat with Tim Albers of Needec Motor Corporation and get to know him a little bit more. Okay, Tim, so tell me about your uh, what you do with Needec Motor Corporation, how long you've been there. So I've been at uh, Needec uh, for 26 years, um, and before that I was um, uh, with some competition for a little over five years in the motor and drive business, um, and uh, before that I was a Navy engineer. So um, at, the, uh, at Needec, I run a product and project management group. So um, we actually do uh, product management for the um, U.S. Motors brand, which um, spans across um, commercial, industrial, and HVAC um, products. Um, And we also do the product development. So I have the project managers as well for new product development and things like that. So, uh, So that's my team and that's what I do. Okay. And I know you have mentioned, you know, working with NEMA and, and what what are your titles with, with NEMA and any other committees uh, just outside of DNEC that you're a part of? Wow. So um, so I, I currently chair the NEMA Motor and Generator Technical Committee. So um, all the NEMA standards. Um, <laughs> so if there's a, a motor or generator standard written by NEMA. That's um, that's my team's responsibility within NEMA. Uh, so, and then also spend a lot of time working with, um, you know, folks in other countries and areas as well. So, for example, um, you know, even traveling to Europe and sitting down with the IEC folks, um, you know, as we both are writing standards to make sure things make sense there. Um, I also chair the associate member council with the Hydraulic Institute. So everybody who's not a pump manufacturer, um, but but is uh, participating in the pump industry. So I, I chair that committee as well. Um, and then I sit on a number of kid committees within um, AHRI. So uh, the I'm on the electrical committee and also on the power drive systems committee, um, uh, reviewing some standards there within HRI as well. So, um, you know, just a, a few other little things. So. Yeah, sounds like you're kept busy. Uh, but first off, tell me a little bit about uh, the, your education and maybe the training you had besides college that helped you get to where you are. Okay, so I, I uh, went to the University of Wisconsin, Madison, and uh, I was a Navy ROTC um midshipman as well at the same time. And so um, coming out of college, uh, the Navy decided that I should be an engineer. Um, and so um, excuse me. So that was um, uh, a fairly long track. Actually, it was almost 10 months of of, uh, of training on the uh, Navy engineering side before I showed up on a ship. Um, and 
though I did other things as well besides just engineering on the ship. You have to qualify in other jobs. Um, spent a lot of time qualifying as a as a as a Navy engineer um, and uh, operating engineer underway. So so I did that and. Um, and then I was actually recruited out of the Navy um, by uh, by the competition and uh, went to work. And that's um, I knew a lot about the application of electric motors and a good amount about a lot of the other applications, pumping, compressors, fans um, and a lot of other applications because we ran them um, and uh, and ran them critical, critical to life uh, in many cases, uh, applications. Uh, but. Uh, it was interesting then, you know, when you start to actually dive into motors and, and drives uh, to, to learn them from the manufacturer's perspective. And so obviously there was there's still a lot to learn. So. OK, well, you, you said the Navy made you an engineer, decided you were going to be an engineer. Is that something you wanted to be or did you kind of grow up thinking you're going to do something totally different than what you are doing? No, you know, it's 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 uh, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I have always had an aptitude for physics and and math and things like that. So so um, but, you know, sometimes when you go in the Navy, you think I'm going to. Well, originally I was trying to be a pilot. And at the time, uh, the interesting thing is when I first went in, um, I had a very good chance to become a pilot, actually, even though I wore glasses. Uh, while I was a Navy midshipman, actually between my sophomore and junior year is when the movie Top Gun came out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All of a sudden, being a Navy pilot was really, really cool. And uh, the Navy was able to raise their standards and basically say, no, you can't be a pilot or sit in the back seat or do anything unless you have perfect vision and this and this and that. And so I was like, well, I guess I'm going to do something else. Uh -huh. um, so uh, it was an interesting, uh, interesting thing. I remember going to the Navy hospital in Chicago and uh, um, where they were doing the evaluations and they're, you know, they sat me down. They're like. Well, you know, a year or two ago, we, we would have been passed through here in flying colors, but not anymore. <laughs> I was like, oh, my goodness. Are you, are you saying that the movie Top Gun changed the course of your life? It, it actually did. It did. Just did not in the way it did probably for some other people. So <laughs> Sure. Have you seen Top Gun or, or the, uh, the latest Top Gun sequel? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, I think it was almost uh, required viewing when you were, you know. 20 years old or whatever. So um, actually I was in San Diego um, and had just spent a week at Miramar um, doing a, doing a, a, an aviation thing as part of being a midshipman. And uh, that was back over at a different base in San Diego when the movie actually came out. And so we had been to Miramar officers club, you know, which obviously it was a set, but it looks very much sim very similar to that. Um, like the week before. And, you know, it was crowded. Everybody goes on a Thursday night and it was, you know, crowded, but not really crowded. Then two weeks later, you couldn't get close to the place. So, wow. That's, that's something. <laughs> okay. But anyway, that's it. That's a, that's, that has nothing to do with my career, but there you go. So, well, it, uh, it shaped you. I guess it, it sent, sent your career down this direction. What, what kind of training would you say has helped you the most over your career? I will tell you that I think what's very, very valuable is understanding the motor applications. Okay. I mean, you can you can study motor physics, you know, and and get really good at um, you know, induction theory and uh um understanding, you know, how all those things happen. 
Um, but starting to understand how something is applied um, really is what starts to make the difference. And uh, you can't be an expert in all applications, obviously, but within a market or within a, a place, understanding uh, how those things work has just been the most valuable. And so I would say, actually, my the Navy um, uh, the Navy was a, a great training ground. Uh, but then, you know, in my career, I was also I was a, when I was with competition, I was an outside sales guy. And every time I would try to plan in extra time into every single visit I ever made to try to get in and see and understand applications with customers. Um, you know, it, it just you can't. That's so invaluable when it comes to understanding things. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're, you know, 80 feet down in the South Chicago water waste uh, waste treatment plant. You know, it's like you get down there and you see it and then you understand what their concerns are and how things are operating and what's good and what's bad. Um, that, that, I just can't say how how valuable that is. So, yeah, I my next question was going to be about what career advice can you offer? And it seems like you just answered it unless there's something else you would want to add to that. Well, I, you know, I think, uh, I think what I'd add to that is um, as far as career advice is, is understanding for yourself what you want out of a career. And I say that because I think some people, you know, particularly engineers, right, they come out of college and sometimes, you know, very often they go into a junior design um, a role of some kind or maybe an application role of some kind. And the question they really need to answer for themselves is, you know, do I like talking to customers? Is that a role I want to get into in some way or another or do I not, you know, and really understanding whether a specialization um, is what you want or or whether you want to stay broad and 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 customer based and um, and 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 an ancillary to that answer is that is that you really need to advocate for yourself as to what you want to do and make sure that people around you in your company or in the market or in the industry know what you want to do because I think and some people think, well, if I do a good job here, someone's going to reach down and grab me and take me and put me into the role that I think I deserve to be in. And and I'm going to tell you that's that's not going to be the case. It doesn't happen. Maybe. But most often you need to let people know, well, the role I really want is to be X, Y or Z and let people know that this is what you want to do to get there. And what do they recommend you do to get there and then pursue it? Um, because it, it doesn't just happen, you know, it, it, your, your job and your career and your dream, whatever only happens if you let people around, um, you know, what you want to be and then take their advice on what they say you need to do to get there. So, okay. Well, what, in your opinion, uh, are the biggest challenges that your current industry is facing? Wow. Um, well, I'll tell you, continued inflation is a significant issue. Um, and uh, I mean, there's a lot of turmoil, as we, we talked about just briefly on on energy efficiency and, you know, continued law changes and things like that and rules changes around the world in different countries. That's a significant challenge. Um, but I'll tell you, the inflationary pressures in the electric motor industry are going to be more sticky, more persistent than in many other industries. And the reason the reason why, I mean, like it'll be more persistent in electric motors than it will be in the general pumping industry, for example. And the main reason why is that we are now competing for components, particularly lamination steel and copper wire, with a lot of other industries. Um, the entire conversion from 
large power plants to renewables. Well, renewables are not made um, with the right voltage to be able to transmit it uh, across, you know, across places. They're not high voltage generation. So in every single case, when you make the power, you got to transform it into something else to move it somewhere and then transform it back to put it into people's houses and industry. That takes transformers. Transformers take electrical steel and wire. And then the entire conversion and uh, of traction and electric motors, whether they're hybrid cars or electric cars or whatever, they also use lamination steel and copper wire. And um, the it's just the, the copper wire, copper in itself, and steel, lamination steel, is going to continue to be an issue. And it's not going to go away in two years or five years. I mean, it's this is a 10, 15 kind of year type cycle where... The demand for that stuff, which we're now competing for in the industry, is is not going to go away. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic for a long time. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people will understand that. But it's just it's going to be, you know, uh, the whole idea of, yeah, my my motors, if uh, if the cost of everything else starts to go down, like food and gas and stuff, there's a chance that your cost of your electric motor won't. And I'm not trying to do that to advertise to the industry. It's. This is something that the transformer folks and the electric vehicle folks and the electric motor folks are all talking to Congress about and saying, this is an issue. We need to figure it out. Um, and so um, it, it, it's it's been identified and I think it's going to continue for a while, unfortunately. But OK, well, in happier terms, uh, what has been the best part about your job? Oh, man, I, I think. Um, the fact that. You know, I know this is going to sound a little bit trite, but it's like I don't do the same thing every day um, is one thing I think that's very encouraging. And that, you know, as we as we go through cycles with different products and different applications, you know, we have different experiences. Um, And and I think the other the other thing is getting to um, is the relationships that get built both, you know, inside my company and inside the industry. And the fact that you get to, you know, interact with those people and um, um, and and learn from them and grow and have an opportunity to influence the industry. Um, you know, I think those are those are all things that that make for a good day. So, well, on the other side, what would you say the hardest part about your job is? Um, I, I say probably. I got I got to think about that for a minute because there, there's a couple of things that come to mind immediately. Um, but, you know, one of the hardest things is trying to control things that are difficult to control. And I'll just use as an example when you're when you're doing new product development and, you know, you, there are many, many things that you're you're buying new equipment and you're buying tooling for parts and uh, uh, and designs and all that different stuff. And you're trying to get all the pieces and parts to show up. Um, you know, within a certain amount of time to try to stay on some kind of schedule and you just have so little control. And then in an industry and with all the things that have happened in the last three years, uh, you know, if I had any hair to pull out, you know, you'd want to pull out more of it just because it's just so difficult to to sit back and just, you know, you never want to just sit back and say, well, you know, that project that was supposed to be done in, in nine months now is going to take two years because because this, this, this and this. And you're like, and I I don't control any of these things, you know, um, and 
And, you know, whether it's in your control or not in your control, I think that's one of the hardest things is when you want to get things accomplished, you want to get things done and they're good for both the, you know, the company and the industry and you can't um, for all kinds of extenuating circumstances is probably one of the most frustrating things for me. Um, And, you know, it, you can't get necessarily, I I, I used to, I, I will tell you, I used to actually get like, like depressed, you know, just yeah. I'd like go home and be upset about it, you know, and now not not as much anymore because I understand it better and I just learned to deal with it better. Um, but it, it used to just be really, you know, intense because you're like, ah, this is what I this is what, you know, we plan. This is what we should do. And uh, I know it's endemic. I know a lot of people experience this, but it's just um, that's probably one of the hardest parts of the job, particularly when it pertains to to new products, new plans, new programs, things like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, how would you say that maybe, you know, you said you used to go home and get just angry, depressed over certain things. You know, maybe someone in the industry is 20 years younger than listening to this and kind of doing the same thing you were doing back then. How did you kind of, uh, I guess, get your mental state better in that regards? Well, and, and I hate that, you know, part of this is 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 uh, learning what you can and cannot control um, and uh, understanding the uh understanding where you can take actions and where, you know, being frustrated over something doesn't make a darn bit of difference. Um, so in in some ways, if they can, you know, watch and listen on those things very quickly, uh, I think that's a good idea. And the other thing is, is that they should seek out folks who have been there and done it before and, you know, go over some of their situations with them, you know, and understanding their uh, their challenges, you know, um, I think that that makes a big difference. Um, I will tell you, you know, I had some really good mentors um, as, you know, within the company and stuff uh, when I was younger. And the interesting thing is, is, uh, is having those mentors really does make a big difference. Okay. And, uh, and I really strongly encourage people to get those um, because, you know, sometimes they may not be in your department, they may have nothing to do with you, but they may be just folks that you can plop down at their desk and just say, wow, I need to talk this through, you know, um, and and that makes a big difference. And uh, now uh, it's interesting that in most cases, um, I don't have a lot of those people left, you know, because they all retired on me. And now people come into my office and plop down and want to talk through things. <laughs> and um and that's good. You know, I, I, I've been there and done that. And that's what we need. And and so I guess my advice would be um, find those mentors, find those people who can give you good advice or at least listen and understand your frustrations and maybe point you in the right direction, because that's that's where you should leave it instead of taking it home with you. So, OK, yeah, that's, a, that's some good advice there. It kind of leads into my next question a little bit. Uh, what do younger people in your industry need to learn to be prepared to take on as the uh, older generations retire or take on less work? Well, so I think a couple of things. One is, um, you know, as I said before, I think they need to understand where they want to go, you know, right? Understand what they want to do in a job. But another one is um, don't be afraid to get involved. Um, and when I say that, um, you know, whether that's inside your company or if it's inside the industry itself, you know, I think, uh, you know, some people would step back and say, well, you know, I'm I've only been here, you know, three, four, five, seven, whatever the number of years I've been doing this job. I'm I'm not sure I feel like I would be the one to you know, join that Hydraulic Institute committee or or, um, you know, AWWA organization or whatever that whatever that role might be. Um, 
And what I would say is, is if you have an interest in something like that, um, I'd strongly encourage somebody to 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 give it a shot, um, see if their company will support it, um, because getting exposure in the industry, understanding what's going on in the industry, getting involved um, will help you with your regular job. Uh, and uh, it can it can open your eyes to other things that are going on and to other types of applications and solutions. Um, and it gives you a, a much, much better understanding of the specifications that exist and why they exist. Um, so, and, you know, I think that's that's one thing, you know, it's, uh, you can go to your job every day, um, but if, if you don't expand beyond what's on your desk, you know, um, you can really kind of only expect to have what's on your desk there again when you get there the next day. And for some people, that's not as fulfilling. Maybe for some people, that's what they want, and that's okay. But I just, in my opinion, that's not quite as interesting. Uh, so <laughs> I would yeah. I would encourage people to look outside. So okay, two more questions. One of them work related. One of them not. Uh, what has working in the industry meant to you? Um. You know, I think, um, you know, first of all, I've just had an opportunities to learn a lot of different things. Uh, I've gotten opportunities to learn a lot about motors and a lot about drives and a lot about variable speed application and a lot about, you know, the pumping industry and other industries. Um, and not just that, but the, the applications and the people. And, um, you know, one of the most encouraging things for me has been the ability to learn from you know other people in the industry so you know when i go to some of these um uh you know standards committees or or um other types of of meetings even even an eva technical meeting uh frankly uh it's an opportunity to learn things you know it does that mean i learn every time and every meeting? no but there are times when when i get to you know and and i think that's you know People say, you know, if you ever stop learning, you know, that's uh, that's the beginning of the decline. And so that's why it's interesting to me. And, you know, I could easily just say, well, um, you know, I'll let other people do that or learn that or take that on. But, you know, when you when you, when you have an opportunity and somebody says, oh, you know, here's something from an IEEE paper from I wrote 15 years ago. And you look at it and you go, oh, I've heard about that, but I never really understood it. Let me let me just read that and make sure I get it, you know. Um, same thing is true in, in the pumping industry and other places. So I think being in the industry, one of the most interest, interesting things is, is, is being able to learn, you know, you get to, you get outside of the sphere of your own office and the, you know, the same X number of people you see every day and you get the opportunity to, to find out new things. So. Okay. And last year when I did this with Bob Domkowski, I learned that, in his spare time or earlier in his life, he was a very accomplished softball player, even even a Hall of Famer back in uh, in his home state. So I guess when you're at HI meetings, you can talk to him about that. But what, what do you like to do when you're not working? What's something people maybe don't know about you? Well, I, I wow. OK, um, I do a lot of uh, well, I used to do a lot of running. I still do a lot of uh, biking, cycling, um, and uh, and you know I was uh, I did do a lot of triathlons when I was younger. Um, um, now it's like uh, I might get out for you know I don't run as much because I got my knees aren't as good, but I I still bike and cycle a lot. Um, and uh, you know I uh, multiple marathons, triathlons. Um, uh, 
sentry bike rides, uh, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, some people are like, you know, that doesn't interest them at all. But, you know, for me, if I can get up at, you know, five o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning and go do a 50 or 60 mile bike ride and be back in time to go to church, um, uh, some people will be like, that sounds like absolute crazy thing to do. But that to me sounds like a wonderful Sunday morning. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, but, um, so probably, probably that, you know, my, uh, my wife and kids recognize that, uh, uh, I'm, I'm a much happier person when I get to get out and go exploring, whether that's uh, on my feet or on my bike. So. Thank you for listening to the Pumps and Systems podcast. Please search for the podcast on any platform such as Apple, Google, SoundCloud, Spotify, or Stitcher, or go to pumpsandsystems.com slash podcasts. You can email me, the host, Drew Champlin, at d-c-h-a-m-p-l-i-n at c-a-h-a-b-a-m-e-d-i-a dot com. That's dchamplin at kahabamedia.com. Until next time, thank you so much for listening.